Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday. We used to say TGIF and, and, and the sun is down already. It's getting dark. It must be the fall. It has been one wild week, uh, John. I can't even imagine. Next week's going to be even wilder. And, we'll see. And we got a full, uh, a full house and a, and a, uh, and an the balance. You have a balance here. Well, a full house and a wild card. We have a wild card. In the and studio with can us, I we, say have, we, have, uh, we have very well-dressed guys here. We have uh, Ed Cox, uh, uh, New York State Chairman. We have Governor David Patterson, used to be a Democratic State Chairman. And first Deputy Mayor uh, for under Rudy Giuliani, we have Rudy Washington. And, and Kurt. And, and it's rumored he might be... <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, uh, somehow related to George Washington, and he's objecting to taking down George Washington's uh, I, uh, statues. Which and, we and, agree. And, 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 Karen, will you tell the governor stop poking me? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not guys, used to being. Look guys, at this. I love this. have the governor in between two Republicans. I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, and he's still smiling. The governor's smiling. smiling. He's, still, he's throwing elbows. Sounds like a fair fight. <laughs> first of all, first of all, guys, uh, I want to tease something. Uh, we uh, the uh, one of the highest ranking and smartest guys I know, uh, Admiral Stavridis, uh, the. Uh, uh, what is it? He's the, a Supreme NATO no, Allied Commander, Supreme the former, yes. Supreme NATO Allied Commander for four years. We have him on on Sunday, and we taped it today. And uh, we have a two-minute tidbit to listen to to see what you're in for for Sunday's show. show. Admiral Stavridis, you've served our country uh, in many, many ways over the last uh, 40 years. Have you ever seen it in such disarray between Washington and the world? Certainly not in my lifetime, John. Uh, I feel as though we're uh, we're kind of disconnected here at home. We've got uh, extreme uh, parties on both sides uh, that don't want to cooperate, don't want to come to agreement. Um, this debacle in the House of Representatives throwing out a speaker for the first time in American history uh, is, is just a, a terrible thing to watch. And there's no way that we can uh, continue to lead the world if we can't organize ourselves here at home. So my ask to Americans is listen to the other side. If you spend a lot of time watching Fox News, spend some time listening to those on the left. And if you spend all your time on MSNBC, spend some time listening to those on the right. Um, we've got to find a way to compromise in Washington, uh, or we are not going to be able to create the kind of global environment we need to have a positive, uh, a positive security situation. The two are interconnected, and yes, I am worried. Well, that's one smart guy, and I am worried. And uh, guys uh, in the studio here, uh, uh, Deputy Mayor. Uh, uh, Washington, what say you? Are you worried? Well, well I'm very worried, um, and, and I'm not gonna. I'm gonna take it down to the micro level. I see the disintegration right here in New York, riding the subway. 
You know, I'm a subway rider. I hope you have a big uh, I'm beginning to feel, back. I'm beginning to feel that way. Uh, crazy is everywhere. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's on every single train car. Yeah. Uh, crazy is there. Governor Patterson? I, I think that we have gotten to a place where the acrimony is so great that I was really shocked at the way they removed the speaker last week. I really thought that the Democrats would install uh, the speaker. They had the power to do that. I th- it, it would, and, and you know how I feel? I feel that if that was supposed to be done and they had a handshake deal and the, the reason and when they didn't do it, I think that this is my personal opinion. That's why they threw Pelosi out of her office. Well, if, if, if you're right, John, what it really means is that uh, the people on the fringe are running the government rather than the overwhelming majority of the people who are not. So, Kat, are you saying you think there was a deal? And, I thought the there was a deal that the common sense Democrats and the common sense Republicans were the same people that voted to, to get the budget done. And they, they, they were honorable. And I commended both sides. I thought they had a deal that they're going to protect uh, the speaker because they knew that those crazies was going to come after the speaker. Uh, Ed Cox, what say you? I'm not concerned about the split. American politics, American democracy has always been fractious. And we fight like heck. But in the end, we come up with the right solutions. And I think we're going to do it again with respect to what's happening in the House. We're going to have a good speaker going forward next week. And three or four weeks later, it'll be history. Well, I must say on a day like that, that is a very enlightening and uplifting remark. We should just close the show right here. <laughs> and uh, by, by the way, everybody, uh, I want to also uh, just let you know there's some breaking news. This is on the uh, Donald Trump case. Breaking news. WABC. Um, just coming out, this is uh, the New York Appellate Division uh, giving a stay uh, to the New York Attorney General's and also the judge's attempt to cancel the New York business certificates, uh, saying that the judge was basically uh, overzealous, erroneous in going after the business certificates. Uh, so that is a win, Judge Weinberg, no, for think, uh, President Trump. Well, I think uh, Justice Ungoran was, was wrong to do that. They haven't litigated the entire trial yet. You don't haven't had appeals. You're prejudicing uh, the business interests and all those employees. Let the process go forward. They didn't even have a hearing about what the appropriate remedy is. And by the way, the statute that Arthur and Gorin granted partial summary judgment on, you don't need specific intent. And there was a disclaimer in the documents. Nobody was injured. There was no damages. So why are you trying to liquidate a business? And why are you trying to impose $250 million of fine? Talking about something that's cruel, unusual punishment to a business and to all those thousands of employees at Trump organization is a ridiculous decision for Angoran. The appellate division is right to stay. Yeah, big news. Wow. Spoken, spoken by retired Judge Richard Weinberg that knows his stuff and knows New York State law. Any uh, objections, Governor Patterson? You know what goes on in New York State. No, I, and I was surprised. That's another controversial decision for Judge Angoran. Um because uh, Judge Gorn is, you know, also involved in some of the, the the other cases that are pretty controversial. So it's very interesting. Yeah, he seems to be getting slapped down a bit in the statute of limitations. He's had a couple of setbacks, but he seems to keep smiling in court, which bothers me a lot. That's all. <laughs> and I told issue. you, I've had I've had lunch with Arthur many times. And that's the only time I've ever seen him smile. Now, 
Radio, who do we have calling in right now? Yep, we have. And in fact, by the way, also coming up later in the show, everybody, we have Governor Chris Christie, who is hot on the new border wall that's going up by the Bidens. Why are they doing it? Politics. Uh, way too late. We're going to get into all of that. He's going to be joining us later in the show. And we have joining us now uh, former Deputy National Security Advisor Victoria Coates. Uh, Victoria, first, uh, let's get to what uh, John was talking about with Admiral Steverides, just how the world is watching this chaos in Washington, and they're shaking their heads. Uh, how do you think this is this is affecting us on the world stage, America? Well, great to be with you, Rita, and, and all the rest of you gentlemen. It sounds like you're having way too good of a time in studio. I want to come join you. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Next time you're in New York, you got to. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, the interesting thing about Admiral Stravides, who I've known for many years, is he was one of Secretary Rumsfeld's last senior military uh, aides, which is one of the top, the top uh, assistants to the Secretary of Defense. And so, when I first got to know Jim, he was serving a very Republican Secretary of Defense. And after Secretary Rumsfeld retired, he continued to come visit us while he was still serving, uh, you know, to provide the secretary with updates, to talk about events that were, we were covering in his book. So he really is a, a straight down the middle American and has always provided me, frankly, with his his best military opinion. Uh, and not try to sugarcoat anything. So he is as knowledgeable as, as anyone, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think the speaker fight helped us at all. I think the vast majority of the Republicans in Congress, like my friend Chip Roy, who I've never been in the business of saying Chip is, is reasonable, but he took a very reasonable stance uh, to getting to a solution here which was rejected. I don't think that was helpful. But at the same time, I think we also can't discount these catastrophic Biden policies. You know, what he's doing on Ukraine, what happened in Afghanistan, the announcement today that we're cutting our special operating forces. Uh, it's, it's just one thing after another. And when all this combines, it's a really dangerous time for the United States. Yeah, Victoria, talk about the cuts, the special ops cuts uh, that came down. Yeah, this is part of the recruiting crisis, which we at Heritage have been arguing is largely due to the just explosion of what you might call woke social policies in in the military. Uh, we don't think the military should be a social experiment space uh, that needs to be a warfighting space. And we need to make them the most lethal, the best supported that we can, but because military culture is in such a, a dark place, we're having a lot of trouble recruiting. And then the military does what it does with it; just cuts across the board. It doesn't say, "Gee, we could probably do with a few less logistics people in Europe, for example." But wow, we really don't want to be cutting the Green Berets, who have been the tip of our spear for low these many years. Uh, you know, it's the then that. It, that disproportionately bore the brunt of the casualties in Iraq and Afghanistan because they were the ones we kept deploying. Maybe maybe we shouldn't be cutting them, but there's certainly no impetus in, in Biden's Pentagon to take take that approach. And it, this is this is literally making us less safe. Um, so walk us through also this big bombshell that came down, Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor, about a high-level Iranian spy ring busted in Washington, 
And at the heart of it all is the now suspended Iran envoy for the Biden administration, Robert Malley. I mean, uh, this guy was supposed to be the fair arbiter, and it turns out he's working for the Iranians. Yeah, this this just smells to high heaven. So the Iranian regime did what they've been doing for 45 years and tried to target weakness in the American government. In this case, by in 2014 timeframe, when they were going after the original nuclear deal, uh, putting together this group called the Iran Experts Initiative, which was supposed to be pushing uh, narratives favorable to the Iranian regime. And what was uncovered in reporting by both Semaphore and Iran International and independently confirmed by both of them was this trove of emails between these experts. And people we all know, you know, Javed Zarif, who was the former uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs, was in on organizing this. And these Iranian-American dual citizens would send him their papers. They would ask them, you know, what, what events should we attend? What would be helpful? Uh, you had one of them, Ali Vaez, who worked directly for Rob Malley at the International Crisis Group. Rob tried to bring him over to the State Department, but he couldn't get a clearance uh, for once. Uh, but... But Ali actually wrote to Zarif saying, as an Iranian, I will do anything to help you. So these are the people who are still around. That's stunning. That is still negotiating in Vienna, putting, again, the security of the American people at risk. It's it's outrageous. Wow. That is stunning. Victoria, keep us posted, please. Wow, wow, wow. You can't make this up. And that is such a huge concern. Victoria, have a great weekend. The great Victoria Coates. Come back soon. Thanks. Take care, guys. Thank you. And joining us now, we have pollster Doug Schoen. Uh, Doug, thank you for calling in. We appreciate it on such a big news day. Uh, we wanted to get your take on so much stuff. But first, uh, all the it seems like President Biden and the Biden administration, they're taking incoming from every direction over this border wall. Uh, it's all politics why he's trying to have to do it, do it now. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's too little too late. If the border wall didn't make sense for Trump and he only built 50 miles and now the Biden administration had been committed effectively to open borders and now they're in the 11th hour building a wall or seeming to build a wall, none of this makes any sense. It makes them look pretty pathetic, Rita. Yeah, it sure does. So so what's going to happen? AOC was just on uh, social media blasting him, saying, you broke your promise. You said you're not going to build an inch of wall. Uh, I'm happy he's building the wall. He should do it on the rest of the border. Uh, but how's he try? How's he going to how's this going to fare? It seems like nobody's happy. I don't know. I, I think it's just going to drive his numbers further down and improve the standing of one Donald J. Trump. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, you know, did you see his press conference today, Doug Schoen? It was uh, the Governor Patterson and I were talking about it. I call it jambalaya because he was like everywhere. It was like on one answer, he was like talking about nobody could even follow him. He didn't make any sense. He's incoherent. And, you know, it's coming clearer and clearer to a larger number of people. Yeah, it is. So so do you still believe he may not be the candidate, Doug? Where do you think this is going? Increasingly, Rita, I think there's more and more likelihood he is not the candidate. I'm not saying for certain, but a month ago I would have said 80-20 yes. Now I'm 50-50 or even a little less. 
August Richard Weinberg. So let me ask you this question. How does one get him off the stage? Who's the person who takes him for a walk around the block and gets him off the stage? Who's the person who says, and Harris is totally unqualified as well, and get her off the stage? How does this game play out? Richard, I can tell you the, on the answer to the first, it's his wife. And on Kamala Harris, I think there's only one person in America who could get her off the stage. And I don't think he can or will do it. And that's Barack Obama. Yeah, I yeah, I uh, I don't see any of those things happening, sadly, uh, for Neither the country. <laughs> Doug Schoen, thank you so much for being thank with you. us. We love you calling in. Thank you, Doug. And everybody, we're going to go to a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to have Larry Kudlow, the uh, country's leading economist. And uh, some other information. There's a parade tomorrow, Rita, and uh, we're going to talk about it. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us right now is Larry Kudlow, uh, the country's leading economist. And Larry, what the heck is going on in our country? I mean, the markets are up, the markets are down, interest is up. Oil went down $8 a barrel. You tell us. Well, I think today was very interesting because uh, stocks turned around up almost 300 on the Dow. And, and I think the reason for that is that the jobs report was really much weaker than people thought. Give me a second on this. The top line number was very strong, 336,000. However, when you look under the hood, full-time workers actually <laughs> fell. 22,000. And part-time workers rose 151,000. So part-time was the biggest contributor to the overall number. Full-time actually declined. And by the way, uh, people who work on multiple jobs also increased. And um, that shows you there's a lot of weakness. It's a much softer report than people thought. Uh, Plus, uh, hours worked for manufacturing workers fell. Wages are only up slightly. So real wages were flat for another month. And, you know, that's the Achilles heel of Bidenomics. Affordability is down. Prices are rising faster than uh, wages. So you're working more, but it's buying less. But anyway, the stock market looked under the hood, saw the weakness, and figured the Federal Reserve not going to have to tighten uh, policies in their next meeting. Uh, which is not until next month. And I think that's the reason the market rallied. In other words, you think the Federal Reserve is not going to tighten? I I don't think we've seen the last of the Fed, but I don't think they're going to tighten in the next meeting. You know, Larry, the banks are in trouble themselves. I mean, uh, because of the the tightening and and, uh, the the real estate industry is in in shavels. Why did... You know, I don't want to ask myself, but I'm going to ask you, why why do you think oil went down $8 a barrel? (laughs) The 
Um, the dollar. The dollar is very, very strong. And that's because these um, bond market rates, the Treasury rates, the 10-year has gone up just about a full percentage point. Uh, it slipped a little today, but it's closing in on 5%. So the dollar has gone up a lot. And obviously, you buy oil in dollar terms, and that's suppressed the uh, oil price. I don't think we've seen the last of the oil price either, frankly, because uh, I think the dollar rally is going to slow down. I mean, Goldman Sachs, J- Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America all said uh, 100 or 150. I mean, one of them is right and one of them is wrong, and they may be both wrong. <laughs> well, I know they, right, don't rule out that they're all wrong. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Wall Street says it, so I don't know if that mean anything anymore. Um but I think you still you still have a production shortage problem in the world oil market. I think you're still uh, several million barrels undersupplied, and therefore I think this is just a technical correction, as I said, based on the strength of the of the dollar. Dollar is very strong against other currencies. Dollar is also strong against gold. Gold prices have been weakening. But I'm just saying um, the economy itself again. You look at it at first glance, that was a big number today. But you look under the hood, it was not a good number. And people are, you know, they're not going back to work. So you've you've got a lot of issues there regarding the economy. The other thing that's interesting to me, you know, what's going on in the world. I love that question. Um, Forty-five Republican House members wrote a letter saying they must change the rules. Okay, this idea that one crazy insurrectionist and dump the speaker by vacating the chair has got to stop. And the tragedy this week was the whole Kevin McCarthy story. The guy is a great speaker. He's a prolific fundraiser. He's a solid conservative. And uh, because of personal animosity, and a, de- and a decent person job and a decent a very, person. He's a very decent person. Now, it is interesting. The race to succeed him. You've got a lot of good people running. Steve Scalise is uh, very good. Jim Jordan's a wonderful person. Uh, former President Trump, as you know, back, uh, announced his endorsement of Jim Jordan. I, I don't know how that race is going to turn out. I'm not going to predict. But they have a good bench. They're both terrific. There are others who may run that are good. And I think I wouldn't write off the House Republicans. All right. The liberal media is too quick to write them off. Because they're going to come back next week. They will elect the speaker. They're going to finish the budget bills, the appropriation bills. They're going to fight to close the border. I mean, here's another dumb thing. Yesterday, Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, so he files a federal register (laughs) report that says we must immediately build a wall in Texas. Now, it's kind of phony because it would be fewer than 20 uh, miles worth. But uh, today... He turns around and says, I didn't mean it. I mean, that is moronic. Unbelievable. You can't do that. Unbelievable. You can't put something in the Federal Register and then turn around and say, I didn't mean it. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Then he could testify both ways. <laughs> I mean, you just, I don't know if Eddie Cox is in there. Is it Eddie in the group today? Yes, he's I here. Mean, he's uh, listening. All right, Ed's the smart. You can't, you can't file in the Federal Register and as a cabinet secretary and then say, I didn't mean it. Nope. I mean, but, that's stuff. You but just by, can't but, make this by, Look, the administration knows no one cares about the Federal Register. You're right. <laughs> but, it's a law. It's a legal process. When's that ever held them up? Come on, Larry. 
<laughs> I don't know. Larry Kudlow, thank you. Well, just thank just, you for coming on, and thank you. And uh, right. we we will we'll have a great weekend. And I'll be tomorrow listening morning. to your show tomorrow morning between ten o'clock and one o'clock on, on right. WABC Radio. WABC Radio's number one show, Larry Kudlow, ten o'clock worldwide. Right. And and all 50 states and the solar system on WABCRadio.com. Thank you so much. And now there's another parade today. Monday is Columbus Day. Tomorrow is Nigerian Independence Day on 2nd Avenue. And I know about it because... I'll be watching it. Let's, let, we have the head of the Nigerian parade. Let's, let's go to it. Well, folks, things to do for the weekend. Well, the world-famous Nigerian parade is on on Saturday, and it's going to go from 54th Street and 2nd Avenue starting at 1230, all the way down to 44th Street and 2nd Avenue. And uh, with us today is the parade chairman. We have uh, Mr. Dan Salami. Mr. Dan Salami, tell us about the parade. And, you know, Nigeria, I understand, is becoming one of the most important countries in Africa. Tell us about that, too. So not only in Africa, not only is Nigeria an important economy in Africa, but it's also an important economy in the world, really. So, yes, you know, we're all very proud to be Nigeria, Nigerians. We started the parade, you know, back 33 years ago, actually, to be exact. And uh, we've been uh, doing this thing now since that time. We actually started from uh, the beginning. We started in Madison Avenue. It rained like crazy on that day. We're just few Nigerians, you know, who gathered together at that time. But since that time, the, the parade has actually grown. We moved. We, we, we were in Harlem at one particular time, but... Uh, one of our ambassadors, who is also a member of the of the committee, suggested that you know we should move to Second Avenue because of Nigerian House at that time, which which actually is a symbol of uh, what we are trying to do. But basically, you know, the whole essence of the parade is actually to make sure that you know we to preserve the uh, or rather you know basically to introduce the rich economy of Nigeria, you know, our cultural heritage of. Nigeria. Nigeria, you know, and, and also to make sure that, you know, our voice, you know, are being heard, you know, by the community as, as, as well. So now, you uh, are the 11th largest oil producer in, in the world. Is that true? That's correct. You know, that, yes, that, that is absolutely correct. You know, so that's why I said, you know, we are not only you know, important to Africa, but we're important to the world. Well, uh, Mr. Dan Salami, I will be there watching the parade. Thank you so much, and uh, uh, God bless you, and uh, I hope it's a sunny day so we all can enjoy. Yes, uh, so if I may just quickly give, uh, you know, yeah, thank you very much for allowing me to to be on your show, but uh, again, you know, this is uh, something that we are actually encouraging people, you know, folks, you know, New York City to come, um, and you will enjoy not only the, you will be able to see all the cultural activities, you know, cultural groups, you know, from Nigeria, you know, from all parts of the Nigerians, you know, have been represented this year. We are, we are very, very excited. And at the park also, if it's not been there, I would suggest that, you know, you try to stop at the park, you know, where we have entertainment, we have a Nigerian food, we have, uh, you know, all the uh, shows, you know, and all those cultural groups, you know, they, they will also be displaying their culture, they will be dancing. And uh, again, you know, um, 
I was there last year. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Again, the Nigerian Independence Day Parade. Uh, We had the chairman, Dan Salami, on, and it'll be on 2nd Avenue between 54th Street and 44th Street starting at 1230. I look forward to uh, seeing you, Dan, and uh, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Wow, well, it sounds beautiful, John. I, I look forward yeah. for that parade. Uh, they dress very uh, uh, gorgeous, beautiful, yeah, beautiful colors. Beautiful Absolutely. Colors. Okay, let's take a break right now. We're going to come back with uh, Governor Patrick McCrory, and he is uh, with the, the. He's in charge of no labels, and uh, we got a couple of questions to ask him. Of what the heck is going on in Washington? And uh, I haven't heard lately from uh, is what line is RFK going to run on? Yeah, what line is Joe Manchin going to run on? Are they running anybody? Let's take that break. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. What the heck is going on in Washington on the presidential race, also the House Speaker race? And joining us to talk about this and so much more is the former governor of North Carolina. He is, of course, one of the big heads there of No Labels, uh, former Governor Pat McCrory. How are you, Governor? It's great to have you here. And what do, what do you make, first of all, the mess? I mean, this is what a wild week. Well, first of all, it's great talking to you again. We miss you in Charlotte still. Thank you. When I was mayor, you were a big voice in Charlotte. So one day you'll come back home. Thank you. I love Charlotte, so I'd be happy anytime. (laughs) Thanks, Governor. Well, I tell you what uh, this past week shows is that Washington is broken and people are going to look for different people to have to, to have results, because more than now, more than any time in our history, People are tired of the division, and they want to see results, especially when you have inflation like it is, a border crisis like we have, the Ukraine war and Russia uh, like we have right now. No one's wanting to solve the problem. So we're in this monopoly right now, or duopoly, of two major parties not working together when we have a divided nation. And now we just uh, put the third in line for the presidency out to pasture due to eight people joining up with the Democrats, and nothing was solved. Absolutely no problem was solved, and that's what people are looking for, and that's why No Labels is uh, gaining momentum. It's a movement in America, and it's a movement in which we're going to have a convention um, uh, next year, probably in March-April time period in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we're going to if, – if Trump and Biden are the two candidates that are the choices by the two parties – Right now, what, 65% of the people are saying that's not the choice we want, so we'll provide them another choice. Governor, I mean, no labels. You're supposed to have a bipartisan group of Democrats and Republicans. And everybody was disappointed that nobody, nobody stood up to protect uh, uh, the uh, uh, Speaker uh, Kevin Kevin McCarthy McCarthy from the crazies in his group. 
Yeah, it was a sad commentary, and that's because the two parties have this monopoly, and they have this threat that if anyone dares break away, they'll be kicked out of the, the fraternity. And that's why the two-party system is broken. And I've, I've played the game. I know the game, and I'm here to change the game because our country has too serious of problems to keep playing this game right now where it's more it's not about who leads us it's 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 about just it's like junior high school right now what what's happening with, this way for with a while robert kennedy he's going to run on the third party has he come to you guys and what's happening I with have, joe manchin is he coming with you guys or, nobody well, really knows everybody's through, quiet well we're going to go through a process we're we're going this first of all we're getting on the ballots hopefully in all 50 states that's our goal we're at 11 right now I assume Kennedy might be looking at the Libertarian Party. Uh, that's my assumption. But Joe Manchin has been a very uh, um, important part of No Labels and the Problem Solvers Caucus in Washington, D.C. And, and frankly, if anyone gets us out of this mess in D.C. And, and make sure we don't shut down the government again and make sure we have funding for Ukraine and funding for the border and start changing the laws at the border, that need to be done, um, it's going to be the Problem Solvers Caucus that does it. And they're going to have to have the courage to do it. But right now, the institution of the two-party system is a threat to one's short-term political career. Governor, and we've got to change that. We've no, got to Governor change Patterson is next. Governor Patterson, you had a question. Uh, how are you, Governor? Oh, I love Governor Patterson. Hey, <laughs> how you doing, friend? I'm good. Uh, did you think that in this last situation – that no labels might have taken a position because it was interesting that I thought that the Democrats, my party, missed a chance and the speaker missed a chance to really be a statesman by basically teaming up with the Republicans because this wasn't really Republicans versus Democrats as much as it was um, the the fringe members of Congress taking over the whole institution. Governor, I agree with you. Um we missed out on an opportunity. The Problem Solvers Caucus basically kept government open two weeks ago. And the deal that Kevin struck with them hurt him with his own party. And that's the problem. Both parties have this litmus test. If you dare work with the other party, we're going to primary you. And that's what they're all afraid of. They're more afraid of the primaries now than they are of the general election. And frankly, the American people are more uh, centrist in trying to find compromise when a nation is divided. This is true on immigration. It's true on the economy. It's true on energy. It's, it's true on many of the social issues. And that's why we've come out with a 30-point common-sense agenda, which has the support of 65 to 70 percent of the people. These are the same people, by the way, who say we don't want Biden or Trump as our two selections uh, come next year. Well, uh, Judge Weinberg, last question. Uh, Governor, it's good to talk to you again. I was deeply troubled that no labels and the Problem Solving Caucus didn't have the courage in the House of Representatives to back uh, Speaker McCarthy. And I think it was a failure of, of leadership of Hakeem Jeffries, who could have walked away being a statesman by backing institutionally the Speaker of the House. And the no labels members did not do the right thing. They should have been a very a vigorous force to protect McCarthy because he did the right thing on the continuing resolution. What say you? I think we missed out on a great opportunity. It got too personal. And you know, in politics, it gets too personal. And plus, I assume 
there was a tremendous amount of pressure that if you dare cross the line, you will pay for it. And sooner or later, I think we're going to have some courageous people cross the line and put country first over party. And right now, both parties are putting party first over country. And, and that's, it's got to change. That's got to change. I think, I Otherwise, think we're going to help change it by breaking the monopoly. Well, you got our support to help change it, because I'm going to help change it, too. Thank you so much, Governor, and we're going to catch up with you again real soon. And thank Nancy Jacobson for me. And we'll see you, you in uh, Charlotte. Anytime. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, let's find out now we have with us uh, former uh, – uh, Navy man, 37 years, uh, William, Dr. William J. Parker, and he's going to talk about what the heck Putin is out there uh, warning everybody that he's got a new stage or new type of nuclear weapon. Uh, Dr. Parker, what the heck is going on? Uh, you know, nothing new. Um, uh, Putin started this in 2018 and, uh, and stated he was going to do it. NATO uh, designated it uh, Skyfall. And, uh, and and this is a weapon that, quite frankly, is capable of uh, being nuclear-powered, running with nuclear weapons, hypersonic, means more than uh, five times the speed of sound, and basically has an unlimited range. So this is a pretty uh, significant weapon. Now, you know, it's interesting, um, uh, Dr. Parker, this is Rita Cosby. When I've seen it, like, he was coming out and parading it, in the last 24 hours, President Putin saying, you know, uh, stand by, basically. I mean, what do you make of the timing of him trying to showcase this? I make the timing of, um, OK, so you won't let me go to the uh, to the United Nations because I'm a uh, I'm, I'm a uh, being tried as a as a criminal, basically. So I can't I can't travel anywhere anymore. Uh, so stand by because I'm letting you know I'm putting you on notice that. I have a significant weapons capability. Not only do we have more nuclear weapons than any other country in the world, but now we have potentially the most capable weapon, and uh, and you need to know that. You know, Dr. Parker, I want to ask you, too, at the beginning of the show, we had uh, Victoria Coates on, former Deputy National Security Advisor, and she was talking. She is so concerned about the announcement that just came out a little bit ago about these cuts in the military, including um, I know uh, I know it's not uh, Navy, but we're going to we'll move you over to Army temporarily. How's that um, where it says the Army plans major cuts to special ops forces, including the Green Berets. Uh, that's really serious when you hear these cuts in the military. Your thoughts on on what that means for our readiness? I've served alongside uh, with all the services at one time or another in peace and in war. Uh, my son's in the Army, so I'm very, uh, very concerned about these cuts to the Army right now, and especially Special Forces. Uh, the Green Berets have done just amazing work for us, continue to as a country. Uh, uh, this is not the time to be reducing numbers uh, while the Russians, the Chinese, and others are increasing their numbers. And as uh, John and I talked about last show, remember – that the Chinese have a, a more than 200 times the capacity to build ships than we do. They also have more capacity right now to build other things than we do, and they have a much, much larger military. You combine that with the Russians' capability of their WMD, um, and we should not be reducing anything, uh, much less cutting Aegis cruisers, et cetera, which we've just done. All right, and uh, uh, you have a real quick question, Rudy yeah, Washington. No, I just wanted to say, Dr. Parker, that, you know, um, what I learned in government is that a budget is a political document and it tells you what's important to the leader. And um, sadly, you know, to be cutting your military, your police department, whatever, 
sends the wrong message. Yeah, 1,000%. Uh, Dr. Parker, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and thank you for all you've done for our country. Commanded three warships, John. That's very impressive. Thank you, Dr. Parker. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody, uh, stick with us. We have Chris Christie, who's uh, calling uh, the Biden administration out on the border wall. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. And joining us now here is GOP presidential candidate, former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. Uh, governor, great to have you here on the show. Thank you, Reed. Always good to be back with you. You know, I'm delighted to have you on to ask you about this is amazing. Uh, this 180 that the Biden administration has done on the border. What do you make of the timing? And, and I called it earlier in the show, Gov. I know you'd love this. I called it jambalaya because he's like all over the place. They get the messaging. They can't, they can't, they, oh, we were forced to do it, but, uh, no, it's not politics. What do by, you by think? By the way, guys, before we go, uh, this just came out, uh, uh, on uh, uh, on Fox Business, uh, and we just had the no labels uh, guy on the governor, uh, uh, Governor McCrory. McCrory. Yep, yep. Bipartisan no labels in chaos with internal feud after McCarthy uh, bust. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, by the way, let's get to the border in a second. But, Governor, let me ask you, Governor Christie, we just had McCrory on, and, and we asked him, where was the no labels? If they're truly no labels, why didn't they try to help uh, the whole thing that was happening on Capitol Hill with uh, McCarthy's? So, yeah, it was a lost opportunity, and now we're hearing there's chaos there, understandably. <laughs> well, understandably, and look, that's why I said all along that I think the no labels effort is a fool's errand. And I don't think they're accomplishing anything. Uh, and, you know, we have a system in this country with Republicans and Democrats and independents, but we've never, never had a successful third party candidate. And, and I don't think we would have one this time around either. And so if they're not going to elect a president, well, then they should at least be trying to help with the situation we had on Capitol Hill this week, which I think just made our entire government looked bad, um, and, and I thought it was a it, it was a useless exercise. Is there anybody that you think um, would be the ideal next speaker, and, and who could corral everything and get things moving again? Because boy, is there a lot to do. There is. Look, I, I, I like Steve Scalise a lot. I've known him for a long time. I think he's worked hard um, uh, in our caucus to try to you know bring people together, get things done. Um, I don't know Jim Jordan all that well, to be honest with you, Reed. I've, I don't know if I've ever met Congressman Jordan, I, which seems crazy to me after all the years I've been around, and he has too. Yeah. But I know Steve Scalise well. I'm not endorsing anybody. It's not my job to do that. But I would say to folks that I've known Steve for a long time, and he is a reliable, smart, honest conservative. And uh, Governor Chris Christie, let's get back to also the border issue, um, because – this is this is stunning. They won't even say, yeah, uh, the first memo that came out from Mallorca said there's a huge problem at the border. We're getting historic crossings. It's in writing. And then the Biden administration says, no, 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 it's not because it's uh, uh, the borders open or there's problems at the border. We just are forced to do it. Your reaction to all of this? Well, it could very well be, Rita, you know, that Joe Biden just forgot 
he said he wasn't going to build any wall during his administration. <laughs> um, That's true. <laughs> you know, and nobody's reminded him that he said that. I look, the fact is that his rhetoric during the 2020 campaign is what has caused this issue. When you tell people during the campaign you're going to open the border and everybody is welcome, what Joe Biden doesn't understand is the words of the president of the United States matter. They matter. And and he is not making them matter. Uh, and so here he is now surprised that we have this, you know, increasing problem at the border. Uh, it's his creation uh, that has gotten this bad. And now, you know, he's going to build part of a wall because he says he's being forced to. Well, that law has been in effect since 2019. So he could have, if, if he's forced to, he's been forced to do it since 2021. He hasn't done it since he got into office. Why all of a sudden now? Look, the voters are not stupid. And if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And he's doing it because he's in trouble. How much, yeah, do you think uh, the open border that we all see, as you're talking about, Governor Chris Christie, it's, it, it's so abundantly apparent. It looks like a stadium coming across full of people every day and these bum, these scenes. Um, how much do you think that that is going to hurt the president and also crime? I mean, we're seeing skyrocketing crime at the same time. Those two issues, obviously, the economy is a big issue. People are scared. What do you see as the big issues on the plate? Well, you know, um, Rita, I just got back from two days in New Hampshire just about two hours ago. And I can tell you that the, the issue that was brought up the most in two town hall meetings that I did in two days was the border. Um, and we're in New Hampshire. Um, imagine if we were doing this in Texas or Arizona or New Mexico or California. So even in New Hampshire, people understand it's affecting the drug intake into this country um and it's it's violating the rule of law we used to be the law and order party we better continue to be the law and order party when i'm president we will be the law and order party but i want people to understand how bad this problem is in the last 11 months they're averaging 200,000 apprehensions a month at the border 200,000 a month and and you know how many beds we have to put people in when we apprehend them? 38,000 total. Wow. And by the way, did you see what's happening in Chicago? People are fed up. In New York, they're fed up. Uh, we have so many listeners also in New Hampshire. They're fed up with seeing this double standard also with the migrants. That's the other thing, too, Governor. Do you think we're at a boiling point? Oh, we are. Look, and this is all these, uh, these folks who thought it was free. Uh, to be able to say I'm a sanctuary city or a sanctuary state. Now they realize what goes along with that, and now they're pleading for help. Well, you should have never said and passed laws to make yourself a sanctuary city and a sanctuary state. I have no sympathy for what's going on in these places because they have brought it on themselves. And this rhetoric was destructive then. It's destructive now. Um, and we should be enforcing the laws in this country, not ignoring them. Where do you see the investigation also into Joe Biden? Everything that's going on in the Hill. Obviously, things are a little bit in pause now uh, till the new speaker comes in. But this stuff is it, it, the more details we're hearing uh, more and more. And, and Rudy Washington, um, former deputy mayor of New York City, we were just talking before the break, Rudy, before uh, Governor Christie came on about how maybe if it's a uh, Jim Jordan or a Steve Scalise, uh, things might get even turbocharged on that front. Where would you like to see it 
coming. Uh, I mean, the more details that come out, there's there's this wild thing that just came out, Governor, that Hunter Biden withdrew 20000 from his daughter's college fund to play for, uh, get this, uh, hookers and drugs. I mean, it, it's like it goes on and on and on. Well, I think we all know that Hunter Biden is someone who was involved in awfully illegal and immoral activity. Um, and, you know, the fact is, there's a lot of smoke there regarding the president. And, uh, you know, the president is going to have to be answerable to that. And I think I'm really happy that uh, congressional oversight is occurring. It needs to occur. And whether Jim Jordan is still the chairman of the Judiciary Committee or whether he's the speaker, I'm sure I'm very satisfied with what he's done so far. And I think he will continue to do it in whatever capacity he winds up serving um, over the course of the next week. But here's the bigger issue. You know, Hunter Biden's now been charged with that gun charge, which has a mandatory jail sentence attached to it, a mandatory jail sentence that was put on that type of crime by legislation sponsored by Senator Joe Biden. Um, and he is going to, I'm convinced, have tax charges, felony tax charges coming against him. And they should be looking at what he did um, in interacting with foreign businesses and foreign governments while his father was vice president. That investigation by both the special counsel and by the Congress will ultimately lead to facts on what involvement Joe Biden had. Uh, And there's a lot of smoke there. And let's see if the fire can actually be created by one or both of these investigations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Governor, thank you. We love you being on here. Uh, and you got to come back on again soon. Thank you, Governor. Have Rita, a great weekend. Rita and John, anytime you call, I'll be here. I love the, I love the show. Thank you so much, Governor. We wish you so much luck. It's great thank to you. have you here. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you all in the studio. We had a full house today. Uh, and we have uh, Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, uh, Governor Patterson, uh, George Washington. No, not George Washington. <laughs> Rudy Washington. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. And Rita and me, what will we all say? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.